Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Pointing the finger, the world reels from the death of Alexei Navalny. Putin is responsible. But when the U.S. reassures its allies... We must be unwavering. Do Republicans no longer agree? Former GOP Congresswoman Liz Cheney joins me exclusively. And go for broke? A devastating ruling for Donald Trump's business empire in New York. $355 million. With more legal cases picking up steam, just as Trump looks to vanquish his long-shot challenger this week. I'm not going anywhere. Will the legal challenges take a toll? Four more years! South Carolina Senator Tim Scott joins me next. Plus, majority rules. Democrats celebrate a key win in New York. Thank God. While in Congress, Republicans struggle to pass what they say are priorities. What does all this tell us about November's election? Our panel of experts is here to discuss. Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, where the state of our union is reeling from the death of Russian dissident Alexei Navalny. Only 47 years old, Navalny appeared in good health and reasonably good spirits in the Siberian penal colony where he'd been held on bogus charges in Putin's Russia. And yet somehow, on Friday, the world learned that the pro-democracy, anti-corruption activist was dead. Putin is being blamed for the death by President Biden, Governor Nikki Haley, and so many other Western leaders. And yet... Donald Trump has had nothing specific to say about this. This after Trump told the South Carolina crowd last Saturday that as president, he had told a NATO ally that he would encourage Russia to do, quote, whatever the hell they want, unquote, to any NATO country that does not spend enough on its own defense. Trump's last remaining Republican challenger, Nikki Haley, says of Trump, we, quote, we cannot have a president who sides with murderous thugs who want to destroy America, unquote. Yet Trump looks poised to easily defeat her in her home state of South Carolina this Saturday. And despite a bipartisan gathering of American leaders who tried to reassure allies overseas this weekend about the U.S. commitment to countering Russia in Ukraine, the Republican Party that Trump has remade in his image seems largely on board with the strategy of poking NATO allies and petting the bear. Joining us now to discuss, former Republican Congresswoman uh, Liz Cheney. Uh, Congresswoman, thanks so much for being here. So the Russian prison, prison service announced Friday that Vladimir Putin's critic, Alexei Navalny, is dead. Biden says Putin's responsible. Do you agree? And how should the U.S. respond? Yeah, there's no question. Absolutely, he's responsible. The best thing that we can do right now is to pass the, the aid bill that the Ukrainians need uh, so urgently to help them continue what they're doing to defeat Putin's army uh, in Ukraine. And And one thing that's really important, Jake, for the viewers to recognize and understand is one man, one man has the power in his hands to get that done. And that's Mike Johnson. The Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. It's very unusual, actually, in American history to be in a situation where one man holds that kind of power who's not the president. But Mike Johnson could, if he wanted to, today announce that he's going to call the House of Representatives back into session. He could put the bill that's already passed the Senate onto the floor of the House for a vote tomorrow could be on Joe Biden's desk by tomorrow night, and the aid could be flowing to Ukraine. And 
Mike Johnson ought to search deep in his conscience, understanding exactly what's happening, the slaughter that's happening uh, in Ukraine today, the extent to which the Ukrainians are on the front lines in this battle for freedom. And history will look back at this moment and, and ask, what did Mike Johnson do? Uh, he, has, he has said, and I, I take him at his word, that he believes that God has told him uh, that he's called to be Moses. And, and I think Mike Johnson ought to look at whether or not this is actually that moment and he ought to help the Ukrainian people. It's been made clear to Speaker Johnson that if he does that, he brings up this bill and just allows it to be voted on, even if he votes against it. If he just introduces the bill at, that, as you know, it already passed the Senate, uh, there will be repercussions for his speakership. The members of the House Freedom Caucus uh, may offer a motion to vacate and remove him from his speakership. That is the threat facing him. That's right. And, and what I would say to that is, it, you know, he ought to understand that it is worth it if he has to lose his speakership in order to make sure that freedom survives, in order to make sure that the United States of America continues to play its, its leadership role in the world. He ought to read what's happening in Ukraine today. He ought to read about the slaughter that's going on. Uh, and he ought to understand that we are at a turning point in the history, not just of this nation, but of the world. Uh, and, and again, he's going to have to explain to future generations, to his kids, to his grandkids, whether or not he did what was right, whether or not he, he was a force for good and aided the cause of freedom, or whether he continued down this path of cowardice and doing what Donald Trump and, and Vladimir Putin want him to do. Well, you say doing what Donald Trump wants him to do. Donald Trump has not responded directly at all to Navalny's death. Last night he was attacking prosecutors at his rally in Michigan. He's posted dozens of times on his Truth Social media app calling Biden an incompetent president. So it's not as though he hasn't been speaking. Um, this is the likely Republican presidential nominee, Donald Trump. How do you feel about the fact that he has not said one word about Navalny? He's had harsher words uh, about Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, than he has had about Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, Donald Trump, as you pointed out, uh, said just a few days ago that uh, he had he had told a NATO ally that he would encourage Putin to do whatever he needed to do, whatever he wanted to do. Uh, he, he's basically made clear that uh, under a Trump administration, uh, the United States is unlikely to keep its NATO commitments. And I think that Republicans uh, who understand the importance of the national security situation, who continue to support him, are similarly going to be held to account. You know, when you think about Donald Trump, for example, pledging retribution, um, what Vladimir Putin did to Navalny is what retribution looks like in a country where the leader is not subject to the rule of law. Um, and, and I think that we have to take Donald Trump very seriously. We have to take seriously the extent to which, um, you know, you've now got a Putin wing of the Republican Party. Uh, I believe the issue this election cycle is making sure the Putin wing of the Republican Party does not take over the West Wing of the White House. Um, as you know, Donald Trump is standing by his comments uh, about that anecdote where he told the NATO ally you know, that if they don't pay the correct percentage of their GDP on defense, that he would tell Russia to do whatever the hell they want to them. Um, what was your response to that when you heard that? Um, it, it is it's dangerous. It shows a complete lack of understanding of, of uh, America's role in the world. It's disgraceful. I can't imagine any other American president of either party since the establishment of NATO saying such a thing. Um, it's completely uninformed and ignorant and dangerous. NATO, in my view, is the most successful alliance probably in the history of the world. And the extent to which, because of American leadership, we have been able to lead those free nations of Europe, we've been able to guarantee security, we've been able to deter exactly the kind of uh, uh, thing that we're seeing happen today in Ukraine 
because NATO members know and because our adversaries know that if there's going to be an invasion of a NATO country, we'll, we'll come to their aid. We will all come to each other's aid. And I think one of the things that is so uh, misguided about this current debate, people like J.D. Vance and others who suggest that we should just uh, abandon the Ukrainians, is if Putin wins in Ukraine, he's telling us, he's saying, you know, the Baltics are next, Poland is next, NATO member countries will be next. If, mm -hmm. if Putin wins in Ukraine, the security system, and he knows this, the security structures that have maintained peace and security and freedom since the end of World War II um, will begin to, to unravel. One of the reasons that Speaker Johnson has not brought up the bill that has the aid for Israel and Ukraine and Taiwan is that it doesn't, control, it doesn't contain uh, additional border security measures that had been added to the Senate bill, uh, a, a compromise that, made, that raised asylum standards and had money for the wall, et cetera, et cetera put forward by conservative Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, um, but it was not conservative enough for the House. So then it was stripped from that foreign aid bill, and now the foreign aid bill is there without the border, secu border security measures, and they're saying, we're not going to vote for anything that doesn't have border security measures. What did you think of the compromise, and what do you make of this gambit that's really difficult for people to understand where the Republicans are coming from? Uh, I actually, I don't think it's that difficult for people to understand. I think the American people are, are really smart, and what the Republicans are doing now is really shameful. Um, I, I think that, that the Biden administration absolutely bears responsibility for failing to secure the border, and, and that's been going on now for a number of years, and, and it's inexplicable, and it's wrong. But as soon as the agreement was reached, there was a bipartisan agreement to begin to take steps in that direction, and again... Donald Trump, you know, said, no, no, I don't want you all to actually begin to solve the problem because he wants to run on the issue. So the Republicans walked away from it. And now you're seeing these contortions uh, from, from, you know, many leading Republicans, uh, including Tim Scott, trying to explain why they demanded border security then they got the border security provisions and then they rejected it because Donald Trump told them to. They said it was fundamentally important for us to support Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan. Now they have a bill that supports Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan and they won't vote for it because it doesn't have anything about the American border in it. Um, I think, again, the American people are, are too smart to fall for that. And, and I think that my uh, former colleagues ought to stop the political contortions and, and realize how significant and serious this national security moment is. Stay here. I got some more questions for you. We'll be right back after this break with former Congresswoman Liz Cheney. We're back with former Republican Congresswoman uh, Liz Cheney. So just in the last few days, uh, a judge has ordered that Donald Trump and his organization pay a $355 million fine for fraud. This on top of $83 million that he's been ordered to pay to E. Jean Carroll, the writer who's accused him of sexual assault. Uh, he has to pay that for defamation. This is, and we're just getting started with the court cases here. There's yeah. a lot more to come. Yeah, I mean, look, there are so, so many pieces to this. I think with respect to E. Jean Carroll, um, you know, people need to understand, and I think they ought to be asked, people who are supporting Donald Trump, you know, what the jury found in that, in that case is that, you know, Donald Trump was guilty of committing sexual assault, basically that he actually had done what he said on the Access Hollywood tape, he did. I mean, this is not something that's out of left field. Um, and when you, when you look at these cases and you look at, at the, um, uh, the verdicts and the judgments, it's clear the common thread that runs through all of them is, um, Donald Trump uh, lack of willingness to abide by the law, lack of commitment to the truth, 
um, fundamental lack of character. And, and I think one of the things that is so troubling about this political season is the extent to which you've got um, you know, people that, that used to be good and honorable uh, members of Congress, for example, who have simply apparently abandoned the need to actually elect people of, of character and honor and instead are embracing him. You know, it's interesting also, as, as Senator Mitt Romney said the other day, something along the lines of, I'm not going to vote for somebody who's guilty of sexual assault. Right. That's, a, that's a line for me. Yeah. Um, right. It seems odd that that would be so unique among current senators and members of the House that that would be a line. Yeah, I mean, you would think that anybody with a daughter, sister, a mother would, would be where Senator Romney is on that issue. Um, Senator J.D. Vance, who you mentioned earlier, and Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who now uh, holds your, your former job as a GOP conference chair, both of them are now saying that they, if they had been vice president in January 6, 2021, they would not have voted to certify the election. They would have not allowed the process to go forward. I'm not even sure what the constitutional uh, agenda there is. You know, there's no there's, role. There's no basis. Yeah, but the they say they wouldn't basis. have. Yeah. Um, should Republicans be comfortable supporting a ticket with J.D. Vance or Elise Stefanik on it? No, of course not. I mean, I think that, that what they're describing is the antithesis of the rule of law. What they're describing is uh, Congress that ignores the rulings of the courts, that ignores the plain language of the Constitution. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's something very important going on here. If you look, for example, at, at the Navalny assassination and how important it is for the West and for uh, organizations that are committed to freedom and democracy to strengthen themselves and to stand tall now, one of the most important of those in the United States is the National Endowment for Democracy uh, that was established during the Reagan administration that has long fought for freedom and stood for dissidents. Um, you've now today, as we sit here, Elise Stefanik, who has said that you know she would be perfectly willing to steal the next election, who, as far as I know, has made no comment about the assassination of Navalny. She sits on the board of the National Endowment for Democracy. Hmm. So I would say, you know, if, if they really are serious about being engaged in this hugely critical struggle for freedom, uh, you know, Elise Stefanik should not sit on that board any longer. Uh, Axios reports that Trump's former attorney general, Bill Barr, who, who has been quite critical of Donald Trump uh, in terms of the election lies and his uh, effort to overturn the election. Bill Barr suggested in an event on Friday that he would vote for Trump over Biden. He said, quote, voting for Trump is playing Russian roulette with the country. Voting for Biden is outright national suicide. What's, what's your thought on yeah, that? Yeah, no, I, he's, he's absolutely wrong. Now, I, I haven't endorsed uh, anybody in this presidential race certainly would never support Donald Trump. And we know what Donald Trump will do uh, because he's telling us every day. And anybody who has spent any time overseas, who has spent any time studying the history of autocracies and of autocrats uh, knows we have to listen to what Donald Trump's saying. So uh, electing Donald Trump's not Russian roulette. Electing Donald Trump uh, would mean putting in power a man who's committed to unraveling our constitutional framework. So Bill Barr is just wrong on that. You still haven't uh, ruled out a presidential run of your own in 2024, as far as I know. Are you still considering it, or would you rule it out? I, I haven't made any decisions about it yet. I'm going to do whatever is necessary to defeat Donald Trump. But if it came down to you not running, and it's Biden versus Trump, you would, you would support Biden? I'm not going to make any announcements or endorsements this morning, but the most important thing uh, is to defeat Donald Trump, and I'll do whatever whatever it takes to do that. On Saturday, voters, Republicans in South Carolina, are going to go to the polls. They have a choice between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. I assume you would support Nikki Haley. Were, were yeah, they? I mean, again, I, I, uh, I am not making any endorsements, but I don't think that that's a hard call at all. All right. Former Congresswoman uh, Liz Cheney, it's always good to have you. Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. Thank you. Great to be with you. This week, members of a top conservative group who will take a poll on who they want to be Trump's vice president is my next guest, Ashwin. 
Senator Tim Scott will join me on what we're learning about a second Trump turn. That's next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to State of the Union. South Carolina's primary is just six days away. Will that be the end of the Republican nomination contest? And joining me now is South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who is backing Donald Trump. Senator Scott, good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. So, uh, obviously, the big news. Good morning, Jake. I hope you're doing well. The big news the last few days, President Biden uh, is blaming Vladimir Putin for the death of Alexei Navalny. He called it yet, he called it, quote, yet more proof of Putin's brutality. Uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine said Navalny was, quote, obviously killed by Putin. The head of the EU called Navalny's death a grim reminder of what Putin and his regime are all about. What is your reaction to the death of Alexei Navalny? Well, but listen, the bottom line is simply this, that the murderous dictator that is uh, President Putin always looks for ways to take out the competition and send a clear message just a few days or a few weeks before the Russian election where he will sweep away with another six years because there's really no election in Russia. That's part of the challenge that we face across the globe. We need strong leadership coming from America that actually pushes back against Russia and other dictators. Unfortunately, Joe Biden is not up for that uh, charge and Donald Trump is. Well, Donald Trump hasn't said a word uh, yet about the death of Navalny or about Putin's culpability. Alexei Navalny was poisoned and sentenced to 19 years in prison while Trump was president. Um, do you want Trump to say something? And why do you think he hasn't yet? Well, Jake, I think a better question really is, let's look at the middle. Let's look at the middle of the challenges that we face today across the globe. The middle of the challenge, uh, you see front and center is the failure of Joe Biden. And when President Trump was our president, there was no incursion in Ukraine like there was under President Obama. When Trump left office, there was an actual all-out war in Ukraine. And so when you ask the question about keeping Putin in check, you look at the actions and the administration of Donald Trump, and you come to one clear conclusion that without question, Ukraine was safer, the world was safer, and America was certainly safer. Well, Navalny wasn't safer. He was poisoned, uh, likely by Putin or the Kremlin, while Trump was president. And Navalny's death, we should note, comes on the heels of comments Trump laid, made last week in your home state of South Carolina. He relayed an anecdote where Trump supposedly told a NATO ally that if that country didn't pay up, if that country didn't spend more on defense, he would tell Russia to, quote, do whatever the hell they want to them. Here's what you had to say about the importance of the NATO, uh, the NATO pact just three months ago. Take a listen. This is you. 
Keeping our NATO partners safe from the Russian military is absolutely essential, as you understand Article 5 would require to support and to defend NATO, our troops on the ground. The fastest way for us to eliminate that possibility is for us to destroy, to the extent possible, the Russian military. By doing so, we actually achieve the objective of keeping our military home. How do you square that with what Donald Trump said about NATO? Right then, too. Okay. Listen, I was 100% right then, and I'll tell you this. Without any question, from the beginning of the Ukraine war, what we've seen is actually Joe Biden dragging his feet. This is after we saw the botched withdrawal in Afghanistan. We've seen war in Ukraine. We have conflict in the Middle East. We have instability in the Indo-Pacific. What we need is strong American leadership. And when we have that, what ultimately happens is, in fact, world peace. The fastest, most effective way for us to get there is to look at the four years when Donald Trump was our president and ask the question, how was Eastern Europe? Well, Putin stayed away from Ukraine. In the Middle East, Hamas did not invade Israel. In the Indo-Pacific, China, because of the 301 tariffs, because of the headwinds put on their economy, they were not talking about Taiwan. But more importantly, Jake, the number one national security issue facing America today is our insecure, unsafe, and wide open southern border. Americans have spoken, whether I'm in church, whether I'm at the gym, or when you look at the polls, one thing is completely clear. Our southern border is the greatest national security risk we have as a nation. And unfortunately, Joe Biden has failed miserably on keeping Americans safe here at home. Mm -hmm. We can see that through the 70,000 Americans who've lost their lives to fentanyl, including my good friend's son, Alan Shaw II. I... I hear what you're saying about the southern border. I want to get to that in a second because I know you just came back from there, but I don't understand how you can criticize yes. President Biden for dragging his feet when it comes to helping Ukraine when Donald Trump is out there saying that we shouldn't, the United States shouldn't be giving any money to Ukraine. And, he's, and he, he set out alarm bells throughout NATO countries when he talked about Russia doing whatever the hell it wants to do to, to countries that don't pay enough. Let's talk about what Russia is doing right now because this key city of Avdivka, Avdivka fell to Russian forces yesterday in a major setback for Ukraine. President Zelensky blamed the loss on the artificial deficit of arms and ammunition uh, because of Western inaction. He pleaded for Congress to act. You, you said after Hamas attacked Israel, you said President Biden had blood on his hands because he hadn't confronted Iran more aggressively yes. and Iran supports Hamas. If the U.S. fails to support Ukraine right now in the fight against Russia, will Congress have blood on its hands? Well, we've already supported Ukraine for over $100 billion. And when I said that Joe Biden dragged his feet getting into this conflict at the beginning, I meant that. Look at the fact that we followed Germany. We followed Germany to help uh, uh, NATO out, to help Ukraine, not a NATO ally, but to help Ukraine. That is a really important first step that set us back by months. What we've been doing since then is playing catch up. That's one of the reasons why Congress has appropriated over $100 billion. Even Tr President Donald Trump has said a loan to Ukraine would actually provide more resources. The bottom line is this. 
Joe Biden's failure on the global stage is undeniable and can be measured in the loss of lives. It can be measured in the instability in the Indo-Pacific. It can be measured in the October 7th attack. It can be measured in Iran's actual aggression and their acceleration towards a nuclear weapon. It can be measured in the JCPOA and the failure of that deal when he was vice president and trying to go back to it as president. There are so many ways to measure the failure of Joe Biden on the global stage, but you don't have to take my words for it. You can take the words of Democrats, independents, and Republicans who all come to the same conclusion. The world was a safer place under President Donald Trump than it is today under President Joe Biden. You were just down at the border uh, following your vote against the bipartisan Senate border deal that the, that the Border Patrol Union wanted passed. You voted against the deal and you voted against a standalone Ukraine-Israel yes. aid bill, in part because it didn't provide provisions to secure the border. So at the end of the day, are you fine with no additional aid for Ukraine, no additional aid for Israel, and no compromised border security measure that even the Border Patrol Union wants? You're, you're okay with the status quo right now? Jake, thank you for that great question. It makes me laugh out loud, actually. Here's the truth. I supported the $14 billion in a standalone package for Israel. Let's be very clear. Joe Biden and the Democrats said they would, he would first veto the bill, and the Democrats would oppose the bill. Chuck Schumer would oppose a standalone aid package for our ally in the Middle East. Why? Because they wanted to leverage the deaths of uh, Israelis to fund Ukraine. My first objective is always to keep America safe. In the border bill, we did not see a border wall, a border wall having just returned from Eagle Pass, Texas, listening to the border patrol agents themselves. Here's what they're telling us, Jake. A border wall would make the actual officers safer themselves. It would see a precipitous drop in the number of illegal immigrants crossing our border. In that border deal was no funding for a wall. There was no new policy or reinstating the policy of remaining in Mexico. Without those two pieces, allowing two million, Ameri two million illegal immigrants into America, that's mm. not a border deal. It had six hundred and fifty million dollars for. It had six hundred fifty million dollars for additional funding for a wall. $650 million when the president of the United States is selling off the construction material for the wall? Come on, Jake. Let's, let's get serious about uh, protecting America's America so that we can actually help defend the rest of the world when we find it appropriate. We cannot, we cannot forget America's number one national security issue is, in fact, securing our southern border. Well, so is the border patrol we wrong? finish that wall... The Border Patrol agents, the, I'm telling you what the Border Patrol agents told me when I was literally in Eagle Pass, Texas on Friday. Yes, they were right to ask for a bigger wall. Yes, they were right to want us to take some of the resources, as I put in legislation, from the IRS and take $40 billion and give it to the Border Patrol agents so that they can double the number of agents, so that they have more resources for overtime. I absolutely agree with doing the things that are in my own legislation. The question we should ask ourselves is, are we safer without a physical impediment? And the Border Patrol agents that I met with said absolutely unequivocally not. Are we safer without having the remain in Mexico policy? Mm. They said 
in two weeks with the Remain in Mexico policy, Jake. In just two weeks, we would see 90% potential drop in the Eagle Pass, Texas area from illegal border crossings. Yeah. And you've got to think about Shelby Park and the thousands of folks that invaded small neighborhoods in America. 28,000 people living in Eagle Pass, Texas, with one hospital being confronted with thousands upon thousands right. of illegal immigrants overrunning their community. That's one of the reasons why Texas and Governor Abbott had to act. Yeah. Now, look, I, I'm just telling you, the Border Patrol Union is very which supports Donald Trump very strongly. And they say they're going to endorse him again. They supported the legislation and the and that money. There was six hundred fifty million dollars for a border wall. But I want to move on to another question. Your fellow vice presidential hopefuls, Elise sure. Stefanik and J.D. Vance, have both said that they would not have certified Joe Biden's electoral college victory if they had been vice president on January 6, 2021, if they had been in Mike Pence's place. Would you have? I'm not going to answer hypothetical questions, number one, and I'm, I didn't know that I was a vice president hopeful. Thank you very much, Jake, for letting me know where I am on the, on the uh, scale. I'll simply say this, that having four more years of President Donald Trump means that we'll have low inflation, low crime, we'll have record low unemployment. We saw that happen for the first time, African-Americans seeing unemployment under 6%, Hispanics for the first time under 5%, Asians under 3%, the majority population a 50-year low, women a 70-year low. What I'm actually more interested in is not my future, the future of America. I want poor kids today growing up like I did mm -hmm. in impoverished neighborhoods in single parent households to look to America's future and say, there's a place for me at the top. You work hard, get a good education. All things are possible for every single American. That's my goal. And as long as I keep that as my primary focus, I'll do the right thing. But you, you voted to certify the, the election results in the Senate in the first Republican debate last I year. Did. You said Vice President Pence, quote, absolutely did the right thing. That's still your view, though, yes? I have not changed my view. Here's the question. You're asking a hypothetical question that you know can never happen again. That, that's the challenge. What CNN and you are focused on are the past. Americans' voters are focused on the future. So what I want to make sure that I do is actually focus on the primary issues confronted by the American people. That starts with the wide open, insecure, unsafe southern border. And the next issue, according to the American people, is the economy. People living paycheck to paycheck, 65% of Americans say they don't have $1,000 in their savings account for an emergency. Mm -hmm. We're talking about poor kids in poor neighborhoods not having quality schools. In New York City, the illegal immigrants come in and take over the school, and the poor kids, oftentimes black and Hispanic kids, have to stay home from school. We have a crisis that Americans want us to deal with. I'm going to deal with their future and not the past. All right, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Good to see you, bud. The $355 million question, what impact might Donald Trump's mounting legal issues and legal bills have on the presidential race? Our panel's next. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. 
Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Our court system is a mess. What's happening in our country, they have to straighten it out. All you see is bitterness and revenge and hatred. Judge and Gorin just find me $355 million for doing everything right. $355. Yeah, it wasn't for doing everything right. Um, welcome back to the State of the Union. Trump clearly upset. He was campaigning in Michigan last night after a New York just judge fined him $355 million for fraud and barred him from running his New York businesses for three years. My panel uh, joins me now. Uh, Scott, let me talk with you first, uh, $355 million for fraud. Um, and when you read the decision, I mean, he lays it out why, why he's doing it. There was a set of books for the government in which they uh, accentuated their liabilities and losses and, and downplayed their assets. The opposite for banks that they wanted to get loans from. Uh, they, they talked about their assets and downplayed their liabilities. And then the third set of books that actually told the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If I were Trump, I wouldn't do any jaywalking in New York uh, anytime soon. He's going to find himself in the electric chair up there if he like uh, keeps uh, breaking all these uh, <laughs> laws and regulations. I mean, to the average Republican, it seems ridiculous. There were no victims here, uh, and uh, the banks that were involved in this didn't seem to have a problem with uh, doing business with Donald Trump, and it seems vindictive. I mean, everything going on in New York to the average Republican looks like politically motivated actors using the legal system to try to destroy the leading Republican candidate for president, and right now the leading candidate for president generally since he's beating Biden. So I think what's happening in New York will motivate Republicans. I think the other case in Washington is more problematic that could come up later this year. But the January 6th case. Yes, those New York cases right now are, are fuel for Donald Trump as he tries to rally these Republicans to think that he is the victim. And Kate, there are, there are Democrats who are concerned about these New York cases going first because of that, because they, are, they might look trifling or vindictive to Republicans, and they're not as serious as the January 6th case or the classified documents case. Well, I think that it is absolutely something that is motivating Republicans, but it is not something that is motivating independents and most Democratic voters. So if you think about it from a Republican primary perspective, sure, is it firing up the Republican base? Is Donald Trump going to win the Republican primary? Breaking news, yes, he is. Uh, But is this going to be a winning strategy for him in a general election where uh, he's going to be, you know, we're going to be hearing every day about how he was a fraud and a cheat in his businesses in New York, which we know, by the way, is something that really gets at him, that really, you know, undermines the way he views himself. So, you know, if he's ha- out there every day having to defend, you know, well, no, actually, I, I am rich. I am a great businessman. We know he struggles with that. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think this is going to be a, a winning uh, uh, platform, shall we say, for him uh, in a general election. Matt, more critical words for Judge and Gorin in the remarks that Donald Trump made yesterday and in his remarks since Friday, period, than anything about Vladimir Putin, uh, which is, I think, inarguably a much more important development, the, the death of Navalny. You know, he's had a good couple weeks, Trump, right? It, we, cruising in South Carolina primary. Uh, her report in his aftermath has been good for him. He's been winning some polls. But I think what we're seeing now is a transition to where we're going to be for a lot of the year. Where for the campaign trail, he's going to be in and around a courtroom. How does he leverage that? It, how much is he talking about what's going on in a courtroom and what's going on for the average American voter? Take out Putin, but like, what about what average American voters are facing every day? How does he balance that? I think that is going to be the, the tenuous thing. And look, I think you're right with New York. 
you know, that is always the, the Alvin Bragg case is the one that Republicans writ large as a party feel the most comfortable. That's the, the, on the hush money case. The, the hush idea money that one. they were hiding things uh, in the tax code, yes. or, right. uh, yeah. with, but to pay hush money to Stormy Daniels. Exactly. I think we view that as kind of the weirdest and the weakest of cases. We feel comfortable on its merits defending that. A little different possibly January 6th and others. But I think as we transition in, campaign is going to be a lot of times the courtroom. How does he respond to that? But I think there's a similar narrative, right? That hush money case is also about voters had the right to know that information before they went to the polls. Voters have told us they want to know about these other cases, particularly uh, the federal case uh, with Jack Smith, before they go to vote. And I think part of what it does is it reminds people that this is a man who will do whatever it takes, whether it's about money or sex, or you know his proclivities, or winning power, power anything that, and it's all about him. But I do think the most important thing in the context of the 2024 race, which is something mm -hmm. we learned in 2016, you've got to continually bring it back to why does it matter to you and your life? So I would argue, for example, around Navalny and the NATO comments, that actually makes us less safe. That is bad for America's national security. The thing I would say about the $355 million is, and where is he going to get that money? We know he doesn't have it, well, and I, that makes him a national security risk. Here's one possibility. He's now selling $400 uh, gold <laughs> Trump-branded <laughs> shoes. There they are. <clears throat> he went to, uh, I think, a sneaker convention in maybe in Philadelphia, was yeah. it? The, trying yeah. to raise, I don't know if he's trying to raise money for his legal bills or this is just another uh, branding opportunity, but he does make a lot of money off of branding. I think somebody bought an autograph pair last night there for several thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, people, oh. people seem to be really upset about this. I'm not upset. I'm not you. Know. I don't, I'm, I'm, the online I'm, I'm, people. I, I'm I mean, posing it as a possible yeah. way for him to solve I, the $355 million I, I, problem. I, like, whenever he tries to break into pop culture stuff like this, people get really angry that he's trying to break into non-traditional Nobody here oh. seems angry. No, I'm, Katie, I'm, saying, I'm saying I think generally. it's actually quite funny. <laughs> you think it's funny? I think it's amusing, yes. I think the man is now, uh, he now owes the courts, what, we're up to, what, $440 million in counting. No, no, $355 million to the courts and, and $83 million to, to D. Jean Carroll. So, Just so to be he's, clear. he's got to sell, you know, I'm, I'm no math major, but, you know, that's a lot of <laughs> pairs of cheaply made tennis shoes. So I, if this is the well, plan. Well, you don't know that they're cheaply made. The you have no, you have no idea how, what, how the quality of the shoe i'm going you know what i'm going to go out on a limb and say these are not well-made shoes i'm going to say it i'll put myself out there i think you should i don't think they're well-made were campaign gear was it made in china yeah that's what exactly. i want to know mr that's, no china the way he that, that, no that is the question but we have on saturday we're facing uh this saturday uh the gop primary in south carolina uh nikki haley still trailing former president trump it's her home state uh, and here's some sound uh, from Haley uh, speaking at rallies in South Carolina yesterday. It is time that we finally put the past behind us and elect a new generational conservative leader. In a general election, you're given a choice. In a primary election, you make your choice. I just have one more fella I got to catch up to. Now, Matt, you used to work for uh, Tim Scott, South Carolina. Yeah. It does look like Donald Trump's going to win South Carolina. We yeah. don't know that. The voters get to weigh in. But why? I mean, look, Nikki wanted a one-on-one race. She got it. At some point, she has to start winning, right? Just a couple weeks ago, she said she has to do better than she did in New Hampshire. I think it was around 11 points, the margin. She's down by 30. So she has to start winning somewhere. And look, I think one of the things that the folks... That running against Trump underestimated was how strong he was in the Republican primary. And also in the fall, 
Um, we constantly were hearing kind of before that, you know, I like Trump, I just don't think he can win. But what you saw, I think, in the fall was him starting to either pull even or beat Biden in general election matchups. And mm. it allowed for a lot of Republican primary voters, their head and their heart not to be bifurcated. It gave, the, gave them license. And it took away one of the best arguments for folks like Tim Scott, Nikki, Ron DeSantis, where it was... Trump is great, love him, but he can't win a general. Suddenly that was off the table. I think that was a crucial moment in the primary. Oh, so it's well, Biden's except, fault. Well, except that there continue to be except there continue to be polls that show that Nikki Haley runs stronger against Joe Biden, but even even right now. It's a matter a, of what you but, hit the threshold. It's not but, about how by how much. But there's a but there is a loyalty and a fealty to Donald Trump amongst the Republican primary electorate that is driving uh, their their Thanks one and all for being here. From the National Enquirer to the courthouse, some of the nation's most sensational political scandals. We're going to take a look at that next. Tonight, I'm taking you behind the headlines to some of the biggest political scandals in recent history. Here's a preview. I did the same as them and nothing worse. What drives powerful people to break the rules? I've never done an interview about this ever in my life. And until today. And what happens when they get caught? And I didn't feel like it was sexual either. You didn't? No, I did not. Because it sounds like there was an attraction. You said, you're so hot. That was I different. know, I know. And most importantly, why do they risk everything to do it? Over six episodes, CNN's new original series, United States of Scandal, will try to peel back the headlines of some of the country's most sensational political scandals. The governor disappeared and didn't leave anybody else in charge. Full disclosure, I was friendly with Mark and Jenny Sanford. There are some scandals we never saw coming, such as when the governor of South Carolina dropped off the face of the earth so he could fly to Argentina to have an affair. When it was proven true, I felt dumb. I felt duped for naively believing that I ever knew Mark Sanford, the person. And we will revisit scandals that you think you know. I engaged in an adult consensual affair with another man. Giving you an up-close perspective. In 2004, the Democratic governor of New Jersey, Jim McGreevy, stepped into a press room just like this and became an overnight sensation. I have decided the right course of action is to resign. We were also quick to embrace the headline that we may have forgotten to dig a little deeper because the reason why Jim McGreevy resigned is a lot more complicated than we remember. I didn't wake up and say, you know, I'm going to be deceptive for the sake of deceiving. And we'll speak to some of the key players in scandals that were so explosive the fallout did not just topple careers. I'm here to tell you right off the bat that I am not guilty of any criminal wrongdoing. People were sent to prison. So... Governor, thanks for doing this. Thank you. So you've been out of prison now for almost two years. A little over two years. Such as former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, convicted on fraud and conspiracy charges, including trying to sell Obama's open Senate seat. I guess one question I have is, why? Why did he do it? Look, I had 2,896 days in prison to ask myself a thousand questions, including that. But you know what? What's the alternative? I have all my st staff and lawyers, we all go to saunas and get naked and talk to each other so nobody's got wires on them. The new series, United States of Scandal, premieres tonight at 9 p.m. and a second episode will follow at 10 p.m. I hope you'll tune in. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. Fareed Zakaria GPS starts next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. 
And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.